bulletin and also projected on the screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 464.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power, and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. came to your disciples and took away their fears with your word of peace. Come to us also by word and sacrament, and banish our fears with the comforting assurance of your abiding presence, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the scripture lessons. Our first lesson today, taken from Acts chapter 2, serves as the basis for our sermon. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, 
wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. This is the word of our God. Our second lesson today, taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, reminds us that we can have peace even when trials and testing comes our way, difficulties in life, because those things God uses to refine our faith in our risen Savior. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. stand in honor of the gospel. Easter truly does give us peace. We put the words of this gospel lesson into practice every Sunday morning when we gather, and the one you called to serve you forgives your sins. We put this section of scripture into practice every week as during the week you forgive each other's sins, because Easter means not only that Jesus has risen from the dead, but he gives us the authority to forgive sins in his name. 
On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 444.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from Jesus Christ, the Living One. Amen. God's Word we consider in our sermon today, the first lesson from Acts 2. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your Word is truth. Amen. I've never seen it with my eyes, but I depend on it every day. I've never held it in my hands, but I do know for sure that it's there. I am very not, I don't know everything about it. I don't understand it completely, but it does completely amaze me. That is my heart. And each of us could say the same for our own hearts. It's something that we don't understand, but we know is there. Without it, we would not be able to move or even live, but with it, we have all the nutrients and oxygen that we need being pumped to the outermost parts of our body, our heart. There are so many other different parts of our body that we don't understand, but our heart is central. Our heart is core. Our heart is right there in the middle. And it's God's work for us. Many people don't want to listen to the message of Christianity because they never saw Jesus risen from the dead. They don't understand how Jesus could have risen from the dead. They don't think it's possible that anyone could rise from the dead. If we're honest... Each of us has had our own doubts over the years about it too. The Apostle Peter himself did. When the women on that first Easter morning came and said to Peter, Jesus is not in the tomb, he is risen, he's alive. Peter, just like the rest of the disciples, the words of the women seemed like nonsense, foolishness to him. What was it then? that just weeks later, there was the Apostle Peter on Pentecost Day proclaiming boldly in front of thousands of people that Jesus is risen from the dead. How did that change happen from, from doubt to confidence, from fear to peace? Jesus had appeared to him. Jesus had given him the Holy Spirit. Jesus had sent him with that message of the forgiveness of sins. Today, as you and I take a closer look, too, at Peter's sermon on Pentecost, the center part of his sermon, the Holy Spirit will reinforce for you and me, too, that the risen Christ is the heart of our message. It was revealed by God, promised by Scripture, and confirmed by witnesses. Peter addresses the Israelites gathered that day. He says, fellow Israelites. That's important because Peter wasn't just talking down to other people who themselves hadn't seen Jesus. Peter was looking for common ground with them. And he certainly had it. With many of the people there descended from Israel, Jacob, biological descendants of Israel. But even, even more than that, there were many there that day who were converts to Judaism. They shared the same faith as Israel. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Peter continued, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you with miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles emphasizes that it was God behind those things. Wonders emphasizes that people were amazed by them. Signs emphasizes that they were pointing to something in particular. This was not just a human being. Jesus was far more than that. He was truly and fully God. God was doing these things. And there were so many of them. Jesus healed so many people. Jesus drove out so many demons. He even rose others from the dead during his ministry. And in all of that, God was revealing, here he is. Here is my chosen one. He is the one accredited by me, revealed by me. Did you realize that scripture just scratches the surface of all the amazing things that Jesus did? In the gospel lesson for today, it says there were many other miracles that Jesus did that are not recorded in this book. All those people gathered on Pentecost, they had either seen Jesus' miracles themselves or heard about them. They knew them. Nevertheless, Peter continued, you put him to death. You knew this Jesus was from God, yet you put him to death. Yes, the soldiers put him up on the cross. Yes, the Jewish leaders, they plotted to have him tried and they rigged the trial. Uh, yes, the crowds that the Jewish leaders stirred up, those crowds were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But Peter reached out and grabbed the hearts of everyone there on Pentecost, squeezed them and sliced them, said, you put him to death. That's what Peter does for you and me today too. The word for put to death there means to get rid of, to do away with. And that's what you and I have done too. Children, you say to Jesus, get lost when you are bossing around your classmates or picking on your brother or sister. We say, Jesus, get away from me when we're holding on to hatred and bitterness towards someone in our hearts. We say, get lost, Jesus, when we just want to relax and enjoy ourselves and ignore all of our responsibility. With every requirement omitted, and with every wrong committed, we pound another nail into Jesus' hands and feet. You and I put him to death. The accomplice is just as bad as the murderer himself. And our hearts are sliced. But an even greater miracle that God performed is that he knew all this was going to happen. All of this on Good Friday happened according to his foreknowledge and according to his plan. Yes, the soldiers and the Jewish leaders and Pontius Pilate, they all acted of their own free will, but the Lord knew this was going to happen, and he used it to bring about his own purposes. Yeah, Pilate thought he was the one handing out the verdict that day. But as Jesus died on the cross, in Christ, 
God judged the whole world not guilty. Those Jewish leaders thought that they were saving their own positions and popularity. Yet when Jesus died, God was saving you and me. The Israelites who shouted, crucify him, crucify him, away with him, thought they were getting rid of Jesus, but God brought him back from the dead. And in doing so, God brought you and me back to himself, reconciled, forgiven. Death could not hold the one who set you and me free. The risen Christ is the heart of our message, revealed by God in Jesus the one who is accredited by miracles, signs, and wonders, but also promised by Scripture. Now, if you listen very carefully, you can hear your heart, even though you can't see it. For those who are listening very carefully, they would have realized that Jesus had to rise from the dead. That's what God had promised. David said, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Everyone else who's ever died, their body has started to decompose, to decay. After Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, his sister told Jesus, there will be a bad odor, Lord. King David had been in a tomb in Jerusalem there for a thousand years by the time Peter was preaching this sermon. If they would have dug his body up, been all kinds of decomposition. Even today, after a person dies, the only reason we can have them somewhat presentable at a funeral is because of the embalming and all the cosmetics that are applied. But even that doesn't prevent decay. It just slows it down a little bit for a time or masks it. Yet Jesus, when his heart stopped beating there on the cross, when he gave up his spirit, his body did not see decay. He's the only one this has ever happened to, and that was promised by King David in Scripture by the Holy Spirit. God had told David that one of his descendants would rule eternally. That was Jesus. Jesus' body did not see decay. He had to rise from the dead, and he did. He is risen. You and I can be confident in it because God promised it. His word declared it, and God would not lie to us. So many Christians and churches today, sadly, say, well, sure, Jesus rose. He rises again in our hearts every Easter. No. Jesus rose physically, literally, bodily from the dead. He is truly risen. And because of that, because he fulfilled this promise to King David, that's the heart of our message so many other promises here in Psalm 16 quoted by Peter apply to you and me even today. I saw the Lord always before me. The Lord is with us. Jesus risen from the dead. Nothing can keep him away from us. Not gravity, not distance, not walls. You remember what happened in the gospel lesson? Jesus came to his disciples who were behind locked doors. He appeared in their midst. He was with them. He's with you and me today too. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You don't ever need to be scared or worried or worked up. Because Jesus is your strength. 
He is at your right hand. He truly is with you. The disciples on that first Easter evening, they were terrified. What if the Jews come and put us to death just like they did to Jesus? When Jesus came and appeared to them, peace. You and I have that same peace. I will not be shaken. And he will not abandon you to the grave either. The older we get, the more classmates, the more friends, the more family members die. And things seem to get lonelier and lonelier here with each passing decade. And then what seems to be the loneliest day of all, the day of our death, when we're placed into a casket, yet in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until you're reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these my eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. Just as Jesus is with us throughout life, he will not abandon us in death. He will raise us again. This other promise in Scripture, heaven will not be boring at all. He says, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. He says, you have made known to me the paths of death. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In the presence of the Lord. Little children love being in each other's presence, playing, laughing, running. A young man, when he's in the presence of his girlfriend, his heart races. He loves being with her. Retirees love being together in each other's presence, telling old stories. When Jesus calls you and me out of the grave, raises us from the dead, we will be in his presence in the presence of the one who knit us together in our mother's wombs, the one who died and rose again for us, the one who called and converted us and has kept us in the faith, the one who planned and procured our salvation in his presence forever. Just as you blow up a balloon really full until it's about to pop, the Lord will fill us with joy in his presence. That'll be heaven. All because it's promised here in Scripture. The risen Christ is the heart of our message. It's also confirmed by witnesses. Witnesses help to establish the truth. They're very important in confirming what really happened. So, for example, uh, yesterday, if you were on a walk out in Howard's Grove and all kinds of people saw you, waved to you from their porch, maybe some came and walked with you for a little while, went out and talked, and if you were being accused of a robbery down in Sheboygan that happened at the same time, you wouldn't be guilty because people saw you somewhere else. You couldn't be accused. You couldn't be convicted. You would be innocent because of those witnesses confirming it. Jesus, so many people saw him alive. There was Mary Magdalene and the other women on the way to the tomb. Then there was Peter. Then there were the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. Then the other ten. And then even Thomas saw him the next weekend. Thomas, that critical skeptic. If even Thomas was able to be convinced that Jesus is risen from the dead, he's a credible witness. Put his fingers in the nail marks. Put his hand into Jesus' side. 
Then 500 other believers saw Jesus risen from the dead. Then James, then the Apostle Paul. All of these witnesses piling up, pumping more proof. He really is risen. And they wrote it down. These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The only robbery that was committed is your sins being taken from you, removed, forgiven as far as the east is from the west, all because Jesus rose from the dead, confirmed by witnesses. This is the heart of our message. One important feature of a heart is that it keeps pumping blood, it keeps sounding thump, 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 regularly, continually, week after week. And that's why Jesus' resurrection was not just important on Easter. Weeks later, as Peter preached that Pentecost sermon, that heart was still beating, the heart of their message. Christ is risen. It was still beating later on in Acts as the Apostle Paul preached the heart of his message, Christ's resurrection, throughout the rest of the New Testament. It was the heart of Martin Luther's sermons. It is the heart here at St. Paul's too. By God's grace, may this message, Christ is risen, continue to beat week after week until that last resurrection appearance occurs. When we see Jesus with our own eyes, and he takes us to live with him forever. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We continue with prayer. Risen Savior, please give peace to the family of Audrey Kolozowski's brother, Steve, 
who, who died in faith this past week. May the heartbeat of your Easter message fill their lives. And Heavenly Father, we ask you please to continue watching over Bob Kober, who was hospitalized again this past week and is on a ventilator. Our lives, as well as Bob's, are in your hands, and we place him and commend ourselves into your care. We trust that you will watch over him and work through him and grant relief and recovery according to your will. And hear us as we pray in our Savior's name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms and placed all things under his feet for the benefit of the church. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. 